Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It is time for the BetQLU Bracket Special on Twitter at BetQL app, on Facebook at BetQL, and on the YouTube page for Radio.com Sports. Just search Radio.com Sports. You can find us there. With myself, Eli Herskovich, Tom Casali at the Tom Casali on Twitter. Reed Wallach, the very young Reed Wallach, at Reed Wallach on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Eli Herskovich. Uh, our show, for the first time ever, is presented by BetMGM. And it's brought to you again by the BetMGM Sportsbook, the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM offers the ultimate sports betting experience with innovative parlay selection features, special odds boosts, daily promotions, and much more. Turn game day into payday at BetMGM. Download the app and sign up today with the promo code ELI100. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia, only again, sign up with BetMGM. Use promo code Eli100. BetMGM, the king of sports books. My man Tom, my man Reed. We got the bracket. We got picks. We got against the spread stuff to get to. We got final four picks. How are we doing tonight? We're all tired, but we're all ready to get to our first ever that QLU selection Sunday special. How are we doing, boys? Good, good. I can't wait. I didn't know what you're saying. You're saying no. He doesn't really write down the brackets as they, there it is right there. I write them down and I, this is my Bible every Old year, man over here. Years, baby. The, Hey, we can, we can sleep in May when the pirates are playing the Rockies. It's time to roll. Damn right. Reed, how about you, man? How are we doing tonight? I'm not tired. There's no, there's no tired here. It's March. We're ready to go. I I'm pissed. We got to wait till the end of the week now to get to these games. I'm, I'm over the moon, especially after losing last year. I'm pumped to get into it. I'm pumped to, you know, hear the breakdowns and, Let's just get right to it. Let's get right to it. But first, Reed, before we get right to it, <laughs> remember, the people can check out our brackets. We're going to fill them out with Radio.com's Million Dollar Bracket Challenge presented by Geico. So you go to Radio.com, you search Million Dollar Bracket Challenge, and you sign up there. And you can compete against the honor hosts across Radio.com stations. No one gives a fuck about those people. You can compete <laughs> against us. Eli Herskovich right here. Tom Casali to my right on the screen going right, left to right, and then Reed Wallach um, at the bottom of the page. So, guys, people can compete with us. We have, we're going to fill out our brackets later tonight, I'm assuming, and everyone can partake at Radio.com. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great – I mean, I might have a chance now because based on the draw, I won't have Abilene Christian in the Elite Eight. So, uh, <laughs> I, I might be going more chalk. 
about this from Jarnos? I just want to kind of piss Tom off here. Jarnos15 to start off the show says, Colgate money line to Tom's Arkansas future. We'll see what happens. The I think Colgate's going to get a lot of media love. So I, we'll, we'll break that game down a little bit. Um, I don't think that's a good matchup for him. All right. We are excited, guys. This is the first ever, again, first ever Selection Sunday bracket edition of Beck ULU. We've been waiting for this for two years. Like, I remember last year, Kat and I did, I, I, you better you bet, on the Beck UL Audio Network, we did a fake March Madness bracket. We literally went through a fake March Madness bracket. I gave, like, my live betting angles for Maryland once they got to the Final Four because I was all <laughs> over the Terps last year. But we have a real bracket to break down. And let's start with the West region. Let's kind of go with some of our picks that stand out here because here's the schedule for the rest of the week. Wednesday, we'll do a live show on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all the good shit presented by BetMGM. You can check that out on Wednesday at 8 o'clock. We'll give out our official uh, round of 64 bets and first four bets. And then on Sunday, we'll do a round of 32 edition at 9 a.m. Eastern or 10 a.m. Eastern sometime in the morning whenever I wake up with Tom, myself, and Reed breaking down all these games. I kind of just threw Reed into the mix, so he'll be on it. Um <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, so I guess first and foremost, what are we thinking here? What stands out in the, in the West region? I mean, Gonzaga versus Norfolk state, Appalachian state. Uh, I don't have a thought really on the first four matchup. I haven't really dug in the Norfolk state, Appalachian state too much, but the, I guess let's start off with the a nine matchup guys, Oklahoma going up against Missouri. I want to pull up the bet MGM line here really quick for that game. Missouri is a two point dog. So Oklahoma state, a two-point favorite in the 8-9 matchup with the West region. Uh, the total in that game is 140.5, and Mizzou is plus 115 on the money line. I have no idea what to do in this game. I guess I lean Mizzou because of the because of the uh, big man edge with Jeremiah Tillman going up against that Oklahoma front court. Pretty good perimeter defense, too, for Missouri against an Oklahoma team that wants to rely on their threes when they can shoot well with Harmon and Reeves, of course. Reeves, their best player. But... I think this line's kind of right. Maybe a little value with Mizzou, but I don't have a play on it. What stands out to you guys? Nothing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this to me, this is a toss-up toss-up game. I, I actually like both of these teams. Uh, I, you know, they, they got a terrible draw because going to have to play the Zags in the second round. But I do think Missouri has a big edge in the paint. But I think Oklahoma is the better overall team. I give the Sooners a slight, slight lean here, minus the two. Reed, what about you? Yeah, there. This is a sacrificial lamb game. You know, either team's going to just get blitzed by Gonzaga. I, it's a coin flip. Two sounds right, like you said, Eli. I mean, if this moves to two and a half, I guess that Mizzou. I'm staying away altogether. Reeves, I, I, you know, I'm a big Oklahoma guy. I can see if they can maybe get Missouri in foul trouble, start kind of building up on um, some fouls on Tillman. But ultimately, this is a pass for me. There's, I have a lot of interests across this bracket a lot of underdog action so i'm not really looking that i have no interest in this game i know eli started us off with a game no one cares about yeah <laughs> game no one cares about this is you've been talking about missouri for the for the beginning in the middle part of conference play and you're telling me no one cares about mizzou and no one cares about him now maybe back yeah, then once, that's once, it, once you see Gonzaga on top of them it's over yeah, right <laughs> who cares uh jason lowenthal says bad line a bad seed line for Mizzou <laughs> averaged out at six point at six point six eight on bracket ma- matrix. So he's saying that they were a little underseeded. Uh, but again, 
Oklahoma has not played well going into the tournament. If you go back to the Kansas game in, the, in their second leg, and even the first game of the Big 12 tournament, they let Iowa State back into that game. Mm-hmm. Defensively, they're not really engaged from a chemistry standpoint. A classic Eli, LLP press. Fuck off. Not here for it today. <laughs> not here for tonight. Uh, moving along here in the West region. So we got to Missouri. Uh, we got to Missouri, uh, Oklahoma. We're not playing that one to start. Creighton, uh, UCSB. Santa Barbara going up against the Creighton Blue Jays. Creighton, the loser in the Big East Tournament title game to Georgetown. We'll head on Georgetown later on in the show. But I know Reed Wallach has a bet placed on UCSB. But I want to quickly get the uh, line update here for where it's sitting at for this game at BetMGM. We have a current line, if my computer wants to load. Uh, Creighton, a six and a half point favorite. A uh, total of 139.5, and Cal Santa Barbara is plus 240 on the money line. Yeah, I'll take it. I still like Santa Barbara in this game. I think that they're going to win this game outright. This is a tough matchup for Creighton. You see Santa Barbara's defense, what they do, they limit the three. Creighton is incredi- incredibly over a line on the three. Uh, 44% three-point rate, one of the tops in the country. UCSB, bottom 15 in three-point rate allowed. So they're going to shut down their number one option. And I get Zagorowski, Mahoney. I get that. It doesn't matter to me. Ja'Cory McLaughlin for Santa Barbara is going to have a big day. This is a thin Creighton bench, 310th in bench minutes. UC Santa Barbara great at getting to the line. I know when you get these matchups, you could see kind of a uh, jump in competition, but this is a veteran team. They're one of the most experienced teams. Joe Pashanek has built a program there. I've been on the Gauchos for a while, and I think they're live. I'd play this down to plus six. I think they could hang in this game. So you like they, the current line? Yeah, I'm still in on it, 100%. I think they're going to win this game outright. Um, I think they can match the size. Also a key, free throw differential. Crane's a bad free throw shooting team. They shoot at 64% as a team. UC Santa Barbara is a top 30 club in the in free throw percentage. So there's a lot of edges for this veteran team, and I, I'm in on them. Go Gauchos. Go Gauchos. Tom, at six and a half, is this a bet for you with UC Santa Barbara getting the uh, getting over two possessions? No, I mean, I read uh, – I had a lot of read stuff, and I know he's been on Santa Barbara for a while, so I had a feeling he'd be on him here. Uh, Creighton's a team I just haven't had a good feel for this season. Uh, you know, the – I haven't bet them much. I haven't bet their games much. The line seems about right to me. It might be a touch low, but, you know, Reed's been on the Santa Barbara team all year. So I'm going to trust his instincts on there. That's a conference I haven't really, you know, dove into that much. I'm going to trust him and, and say the Gauchos are a live dog here. I love the I love the comments because people like are having discussions in it uh, in about this game within our comment section. Little Nepotus one said pump and swag getting so triggered because you were talking about Bishop um, and he was saying Bishop was a point guard in high school. I, I'm, I'm with you though on, on Santa Barbara, man. I haven't made the bet yet, but I think it's six and a half. It's going to be a play for me. The key for this game uh, to me is you see Santa Barbara can play with Creighton on the glass. Like this mm-hmm. is a really good defensive rebounding team in UC Santa Barbara in terms of Creighton's ability to create second chance opportunities. Now Creighton isn't a great um, offensive rebounding team themselves. But if you can keep Creighton off the glass and run it and speed it up in transition against a Creighton team that wants to do the same, McLaughlin, like you mentioned, one of the better point guards in college basketball, top 50 assist rate. I think UC Santa Barbara's ability to match up size-wise against Creighton because Creighton doesn't have much size. And you also wonder with the Creighton factor is how much has this McDermott stuff played in? Because we didn't see it really against UConn. We didn't see it too much at the Big East tournament, but it's still sitting there. 
And we don't need to repeat the comments. We don't need to repeat the off the court stuff. But I still feel like there's some inner turmoil uh, for this Creighton team. So I think there's value with Santa Barbara getting the over two possessions. I think they have a shot to win this game outright. I think it's one of those early matchups. I hate to go prototypical 5-12 for our first dog pick of the day, but I'm a three. I think Santa Barbara covers this at six and a half. All right, moving on to the next game where I think we're all going to be on the dog as well. Virginia going up against Ohio, and this line sitting at BetMGM, we all pull it up, is down to eight and a half. So this line opened at, by the way, I should mention, the UC Santa Barbara line opened at nine and a half. So Creighton minus nine and a half. It's down three points. Does that, before we get to the next game, does that mean anything to you guys? In terms of staying away because it's a three-point line move or about a three-point line move if we're talking soft openers. Well, that's too much. Yeah, that's that's the reason why I'm not really on it. Uh, you know, when I look at these dogs, so, so much money comes in on the dogs now right away. And, you know, Eli, I always use the Northeastern Kansas game as an example because I liked Northeastern in that game. And it opened like eight, I think it did. And then it was down a four and a half by tip. So that's too big of a move for me to think there's value on the dog. So again, I, I trust Reed's analysis of Santa Barbara, but I don't like not getting a three-point difference in the line. No doubt. I want to pull up this tweet. This is a, a really good nugget for anybody that wants to bet Ohio and wants to bet it even more. Virginia is likely to travel to Indianapolis late Thursday or on Friday due to COVID protocols. Cavs and the Hoos will play Jason Preston, Ohio U. That's coming from Goodman, obviously, on Saturday. You're getting to Indianapolis with one day of prep on a court you've never played at, on a shooting dr- backdrop you've never seen before. For a Virginia team that exited the exited the uh, ACC tournament after beating Syracuse on a, a shot that Tom will remember forever because Jim Beheim was in that zone, sat in it, and Virginia open beat by, him. Open by seven feet. No doubt. That's a tough, tough test for Virginia to play anybody off of one day of prep uh, in, in, a, in a court, in a setting that they've never played at before. At least I don't think they play at a Hinkle. I don't know exactly where they're playing in Indianapolis, but either way, in Indianapolis yeah. on a court they've likely never played at. So uh, for this Ohio team, yes, Virginia runs that uh, Virginia runs that pack line defense, so it limits ball penetration, and, and you want to be able to cause the opponent, you want to make the opponent shoot threes. But Ohio can shoot the three ball at a pretty decent clip. And they should be able to space the floor against this Virginia team. Jason Preston is a point guard nobody wants to face in the NCAA tournament. I think getting over three possessions or just around three possessions at eight and a half, even though the line open at 10, I'll be on the Bobcats uh, against Virginia. Yeah, this is, uh, I've only placed two bets so far, and this was one of them. I got over eight and a half. Um, That's what opened up at my book. So uh, it was a little bit down from where it opened, but I, I this is one of those games where I think that Ohio's a live dog. I, I think they can win this game outright. I actually took the money line too. It's like three twenty-five, or can't remember exactly what it was when I bet it. But the, you know the thing about Ohio, and <clears throat> you know it's uh, Eli is you know I've been on this team since early in the year. They had a three-game losing streak in December. I, I don't care about that. I don't care what you do in December, but they've been red hot since playing a really good ball. And the thing I noticed in that game against Illinois was the way they rebound. I mean, if you can rebound against Illinois and hold your own in the paint, you're pretty good. And I think they have a big edge here in rebounding and uh, and down low against Virginia. Their offense is going to give Virginia trouble. And like you said, the added element here is that Virginia's COVID issues. I I think that's going to play here. I don't know – 
I'm not a huge Eastern Washington Washington guy. I don't know how much that's going to affect Kansas against them, but Ohio is a very talented team. So I think this is going to hurt Virginia. I mean, the only negative here is that the game is on true TV, so we'd have to find it. But other than that, I like Ohio to win this game outright. I'm with you. And just to kind of uh, add on to what you were talking about, Ohio with one of the better defensive rebounding rates in conference play. Now the question is, how do you relate that to the overall body of work when you're going up against an ACC team? Ohio with an above average defensive rebounding rate still across college basketball and Virginia with a bottom 50 offensive rebounding rate. So this team does not create second chance opportunities. They play at such a slow pace where they have to be ultra efficient and they're going mm-hmm. up uh, They're going up against a defense that's going to give them fits. So I, I think Ohio can cover this line, keep it within three possessions for sure. I think Ohio has a shot to get to the Sweet 16. That that Santa Barbara Ohio matchup because I think that's what happens in the round yeah. thirty two. Uh, I have think, I have them going to the Sweet Sixteen too. Yeah, man, getting a, a twelve. So we so we all have we all have Santa Barbara and Ohio in the in the round of thirty two. Or Tom, do you not have that lined up? The I'm leaning Santa Barbara. I mean that that this you listen. I, I the way Gonzaga's uh, brackets lined up, this looks like a cakewalk, and that it wouldn't surprise me if this part of the, there's always that one bracket every year that's kind of crazy where you have a 13 and an 11 or whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, this could this is shaping up like it could be that one. All right. So Reed, uh, are you betting Ohio at eight and a half? Yeah, I got nine. I still like eight and a half. You know, Tom, really, you guys both hit it right on the head. I completely agree. And this situation, when a team is getting COVID now, I don't know where they're mentally at. And it's not like Virginia was playing well beforehand. They right. lost three of five heading into the ACC tournament. So they're not – flip they're, against Syracuse. Exactly. So they're not rolling by any means. This is not like they were – this team stopped in their tracks. They were kind of on their way out. I'm, I was looking to fade them anyway. So – this is an easy bet for me on Ohio as well. I play this down, you know, inside of, you know, seven and a half still. I think these are one of these, I think there's going to be some correction in the market heading into the tournament, actually, as we get like into Wednesday, Thursday. But for now, I could see Ohio keep dipping down because Virginia, it's a tough spot. I think it's going to close around seven. Yeah, it, this is a tough spot to expect a big, you know, big showing from Virginia. Also, Virginia isn't always a, a margin king, you know, like they play these slow grinded out games. So it could be a little nervy at the end. Yeah. Even if Ohio loses this, loses this game, I still think you're getting value at the eight and a half, like Reed mentioned, because of that pace that UVA plays at. So on yeah, to, uh, to mention real quick, uh, your boy, Eli, I mean, Ohio has a star player too. The, you know, in Preston. So th- this team has a lot of ingredients to not only pull a first round upset, but to win a couple games. Yeah. And he wasn't even supposed to play in division one. It's one of the best stories in college basketball on to Wichita state and Drake. Cause I know we all have a bet for that game in the first four, one of the most fraudulent teams in college basketball. Actually, I think Reed, you like them. So maybe I like them. Oh God. Okay. I'm talking to two fucking Wichita state fanboys on the podcast, but on that MGM, this line is currently sitting at the Drake plus two. So Wichita State, the Shockers, still a two-point favorite, total of 139.5. And the uh, Drake Bulldogs are plus 115 on the money line. I'm on Drake in this game, but want to hear your guys' thoughts, want to switch it up. Uh, Tom, you go first on Drake, Wichita State. Yeah, I think you're confusing me liking Wichita State to thinking that they're going to make a run in the tournament. Uh, I think Isaac Brown has done an all-time great coaching job for what he inherited at Wichita State. They've overachieved. They're a team I really like next season. So 
this is their they got as far as they're going to go here. They were kind of lucky to get in the tournament, I think. But overall, nobody thought they were going to be in the tournament this year after what they started out with. So I think it ends here. Drake, again, I mention it every week. Navy didn't make the tournament because of some COVID issues, but Drake and Navy every week. Uh, you know, you're looking at their lines and you're like, I don't understand it. Uh, the market hates them. So uh, Drake should be favored in this game. The, you guys agree with that? I, I have yeah. them about a point favorite. Reed, go ahead. No, I, I completely agree. When I saw this line, I thought it was at the very least going to open, you know, pick Drake minus one. The way Wichita State limped into um, the tournament, I mean, I had a future on Wichita to win the AAC, and I was just praying they beat Cincinnati so I could just get out for even in the finals, whoever they played. I had no interest in being in them anymore. Really just deflated. I, maybe they're out of gas. I don't know. But this is a veteran Drake team. Still, I see them showing up, and I think they're going to close a favorite. I can't see how they're not. Um, I got on plus two. If you want to save the juice, you can take the money line. I have no issue in that. I expect them to win pretty, pretty handily in this one. Yeah, looking, I mean, you're not, honestly, there's like two cents of juice towards Wichita State at some other shops. So it's not like you're really missing out on much. I just, yeah. I'm, my first official bet that I just put in uh, for the NCAA tournament is Drake because we've been busy tonight. But Drake plus two is my first play. The key for, for this game to me is Drake and Hemphill back. At least those are the reports that the big that missed their, their leading score and their best rebounder that missed Arch Madness and they got all the way to the title game against Loyola without him probably wouldn't be in the NCAA tournament if they didn't get there without a Hemphill. But Wichita State gives up a ton of points inside or at least a good amount of points to their opponent in terms of point distribution from behind the arc and from the free throw line and inside the arc. So even though Drake doesn't have Roman Penn for this game, he's done for the season, obviously. Um, getting Hemphill back is huge because top 20 in two-point scoring rate, Drake needs to be able to score down low with some of those guards too, Wilkins. It sets up their perimeter offense, and Wichita State gives up a lot of points inside. So Drake getting two points against a fraudulent Wichita State game, uh, team that uh, if you look at their scoring margin across the latter part of AAC play when they were winning games and when they when they made a run to win the conference tournament regular season title or win the conference regular season title in the American Athletic, a lot of close games and a lot of coin flip games where I could see where I do see Drake winning this game outright, but I'll take the two points with the Bulldogs. Yeah, and one more thing. I mean, Wichita, like you mentioned, Hempel coming back, Wichita's terrible um, defensive rebounding team. They get gashed. You know, they let up points inside, but they also let up second chances, and that's where Drake can really make them pay. Just second chance opportunities, putbacks. So I agree with you. Uh, this is a Drake play all the way. All right. So, and by the way, shout out to Rambling Grimace, who I believe is watching the show right now on Twitter. He just submitted his brackets. So remember, you can go to radio.com, check out the Million Dollar Geico Bracket Challenge or proper name, Million Dollar Bracket Challenge presented by Geico. Check that out at radio.com and sign up to compete against us, the experts, myself, Eli Herskovich, Tom Casali, my co-host, uh, managing editor of Sports Betty at radio.com sports and BetQLU and BetQL contributor Reed Wallach, one of the most talented young writers, college basketball minds out there. Yeah, I just gave you some love. Tom, what do you think about that compliment I just gave to Reed? No, I agree. Uh, Reed's a rising star in the industry. That's, uh, you know, uh, hey, I was the one who hired him. Uh, I, I, I'm okay at my job. <laughs> yeah, man, take that. Get that fan out. Uh, a, lot, a lot of love for Reed Wallach on the show. Too much praise. Jeez. And remember to sign up with BetMGM. Use the promo code ELI100. Uh, BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, to place your March Madness bets this month. And shout out to Fenton, 
DN. Great show, guys. Thumbs up. We appreciate everybody checking out the show. So we spent a lot of time on the West region here. Any other uh, thoughts on the first round games before we give out maybe our lean for the team to come out of the uh, region? No, I mean, I think we, I don't know what Reed's thoughts are, but I know you and I like Oregon as a possible sleeper here. Um, I, we, uh, you know, listen, if it's Oregon, Iowa in second round and Oregon's getting four plus, I'm all in. So uh, I like the Ducks to come out of that part of the bracket. They're going to probably maybe face Kansas there or USC. So I think it's going to be Gonzaga and Oregon. Uh, I'm not going to pick against the Zags there, but, you know, I think Oregon has a outside chance of making the final four. Reed, what's yeah. the me and Tom spoke a few weeks ago. And I told him if UConn or Oregon gets a six-seven and they get Iowa, that's a that's a max play right there. So Oregon to me, I agree with Tom. That's my elite eight team from the bottom. And I really like Oregon's path because I think Eastern Washington's gonna be Kansas this weekend. Um I see an Eastern Washington team that if you take out the Ken Palm weighted efficiency, I'll make it a quick one. You take out the Ken Palm weighted efficiency and look at just the raw numbers. They are the 30th ranked offensive team in the country. They are 55th and uh, 55th lowest turnover rate. And this is a Kansas team had a positive COVID test. We just talked about this with Virginia. So maybe they are shorthanded. Maybe they're out of sorts. I don't know their deal. This is an Eastern Washington team. They're deep. They don't turn it over, and if they get hot from three, we've seen Kansas fall behind and have to really scramble back. They trailed TCU in the second half at home. They trailed UTEP with three minutes left at home. I know that was kind of a weird scheduling quirk, but this is a Kansas team that goes dry on offense and is really uh, is shallow on the bench. So this is a live dog in Eastern Washington. I got in at 11. I sprinkled on the money line at like 525, I think I have. This I'm telling this bracket's going to be all busted up and make it just easier for Gonzaga, but keep an eye on Eastern Washington. A comment from Molnar J. Self on ESPN made it seem like whoever tested positive isn't playing. So that's McCormick, right? Because he was, he was, he did. I, he's right. I was just going to mention that. I did see that interview and is that he, the new that way. Yeah. If McCormick, I mean, if this, if this McCormick doesn't play, this line's going to crash. So at BetMGM, the Kansas and Eastern Washington line is at 11. What line did you get uh, on Eastern Washington? I got Washington? 11. You got 11. I got 11 and plus 525. You know, I'm, I'm all over dogs in this bracket. You're all over dogs. No, I, I get it. Um, if you go back to two years ago, Eastern Washington or Kansas played, who was it, Tom, in the first round? Northeastern? Northeastern. They were they were laying four. So this, that was yeah. a much shorter spread. Busicha, one of my favorite three-point shooters over the last decade in college basketball, couldn't get it done. Kansas dominated that game in transition, but they also had Yudoka Azabuki. And if McCormick doesn't play in this game, Kansas is only true big. Back to the basket big is Mitch Lightfoot. And they have a size advantage against Eastern Washington. But look at the other end, Eastern Washington with a top 130 three-point scoring rate. Kansas, a bottom 120 three-point scoring rate defensively. So the amount of points they give up across the board. If McCormick isn't going to play, which is what we're saying here, I think Eastern Washington's the play. I'm with Reed on this one. Tom, or is this is this a show bet? Yeah, no, I was, uh, you know, my book, the, the apologies. Get I, 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 I can't wait to bet MGM. But the, I don't have anything up right now for that, so. Unbelievable. That's the most top comment possible. Oh They're watching God. the show. They know we're I was, coming I was trying to bet it. I was I was going to hit money line on it. It's the one game I don't have up on mine. So Tom's go to bet. Go if you if you are in a legal sports betting market, 
um, and not in New York, which is like living in hell, then go to bet MGM and bet Eastern Washington and put a half unit on the money line. That's what I was going to do right now. Who is this celery Dennis guy? Is he your friend? Reed? No idea who that is. Oh, he keeps commenting. He loves loves the show. Large Marge idiot says bet it, Tom. <laughs> I don't think I can place the bet until Tom does. That's the key to the show. I'm betting it. I'm refreshing like a mother over here. So I missed I missed the ESPN interview. So McCormick is not playing. And Tristan and you, I guess, would be out too. Then. And he did not name the player, but it did not sound like whoever the player is. He just he referred to him as the player. Um, it did not sound good. Well, is this the new? Is this the new player that tested positive, or both players? Because wasn't it a new player that tested positive? That yeah, I don't out? know who he was referring to. I'm Thanks, just guys. <laughs> really, really great start. I don't think we know, but the it doesn't sound great. I, I didn't think his interview sounded great. Okay, I'm going to wait then. I think I'm going to wait until we get the – I mean, again, the line is going to drop, but hopefully we can get mm-hmm. some word. Do you know some college basketball connects out there? Well, Reed's telling me Eastern Washington's a top 30 team, so I'm all in. <laughs> let's let's keep going here. Last game to hit on 30 seconds or less, uh, Grand Canyon, Iowa. And if we look at this line at BetMGM, we're going through this like it's a Wednesday show. I'm kind of pissed. Uh, Iowa up to a 15-point favorite against Grand Canyon. Uh, and the total in that game is 144.5. Grand Canyon is plus 950 on the money line. Yeah, I mean, I, I think do you like Grand Canyon, uh, Eli? I, I know you you cut you were kind of talking yourself into it when we were speaking earlier. That the only three-point defense, but I also don't want to take I don't want to take too much out of the Illinois game because that's it's one of the best teams in the college basketball right now, if not the best team in the country. So think about this from a matchup standpoint. Grand Canyon has some size, but I don't know if they have enough size to slow down Luca Garza. I will say to your guys' point about Oregon and Iowa, um, and that's the fun of doing the show, by the way, is these aren't all of our official bets. We're giving out the bets that we have, and then on Wednesday's edition, we'll give out all the bets we have. I think I'm going to stay away from this game for right now. I need to dig a little more into it, but yeah, uh, I don't think Grand Canyon has the big to slow down Iowa, even though their three-point defense is pretty solid. So I think Iowa advances. I think Iowa might cover, even though it's a little inflated towards the Hawkeyes. The Oregon point, though, is interesting that you guys brought up because the key to that game is Omarui against Garza. If Omarui could slow down Garza, Oregon could win this game, especially even though even though Iowa has the guards to beat that 2-3 matchup zone, to beat that press, because they have the ball handlers to get it done. Like when Ohio State pressed against them a couple weeks ago, there was no issue. But we saw it against Illinois when elite defensive teams can match up well. Um, they could go down. So I, and Oregon's not an elite defensive team, but they are on the up and up yeah, uh, even after that loss against, uh, against, um, Oregon state. So number one in the country. Uh, so it, it's hard to turn Iowa over and get, get easy buckets against them. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't have an official take on the Oregon, Iowa matchup. If we do get that in the round of 32, I do lean still towards Iowa. I think, I think you guys are kind of underrating Iowa a little bit. Um, just overall with this team, like they, they have really improved defensively. And it's crazy to say that a top 50 adjusted defensive efficiency isn't, is, is good. But I mean, they have friends shifted away from that matchup zone and went to a strict man to man. Granted, like Oregon's a tough team to match up with in, in man to man spots. Wieskamp would have to go up against Duarte, which is not the best matchup for Iowa, but 
I don't think uh, Omarui against Garza to me is not a lock to be able to shut down Garza. So my lead, we'll see. I, I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't put my life on Luca Garza to be honest with you in the tournament. But the you know slow big men, eh, big deal. The we'll see. I I, I think uh, I think I'll give me three points for Dana Altman out coaching Fran too. That's true. Yeah, we'll see what the spread is in that game against the spread. Just outright haven't really uh, made an official pick there yet. Reed, any quick thoughts on Iowa Grand Canyon? Uh, no, because the thing with Iowa is they could really route teams. You know, to me, Iowa yeah. is one of the more predictable teams who you know can they're going to beat the little they're going to beat the little inferior team, but they're going to lose to the elite class like they do with Illinois, like they did with Michigan. So I'm going to stay away from this one. I kind of lean Iowa because I can see them really running up a big number here, winning by 20 plus. But when it comes to Oregon, the thing is, I think Oregon can score with Iowa in this game. Just really quick. They could shoot. They have five guys that shoot a pretty steady volume of three, over 35%. So if they're cooking, they could set up their defense. Like I know that was your handicap to the USC game a few weeks ago. It didn't work. But if they could get cooking from three and Duarte can really get into a rhythm, I think Oregon's a really, really live uh, live dog there. So that's my two cents on Oregon. Yeah, and I agree with Reed. By Wednesday, I might have a play on Iowa. We'll see. Somebody asked, is Wies Camp healthy? He looked okay against Illinois yesterday. We've, we kind of saw that. Who was the team earlier in the year that I was concerned with injury-wise that looked okay? Oh, Rutgers. I mean, like Ron Harper, they had a bunch of injuries in the middle portion of, mm-hmm. portion of conference play. Geo Baker, Jacob Young look hurt. Um, I thought Wieskamp looked okay against Illinois. I didn't really, or Wisconsin too. I didn't see a ton of nagginess um, with with the Wieskamp injury. So I'm not super concerned about that going into the tournament. But I, I think overall, guys, uh, can we all say Gonzaga's advancing in the West region to come out of it and get to the Final Four? Yep. Yeah. Okay. That As much as we talk about matchups, as much as we talk <laughs> about potential upsets, a lot of upsets potentially in the first round against the spread and outright. Uh, this is a very easy region for Gonzaga. There's no, like, if you go back to the Duke-Michigan uh, State matchup in the Elite Eight from a couple of years ago, Duke had to get past UCF. They had to get past Virginia Tech, then Michigan State, in terms of the number one overall seed. There's nothing like that for Gonzaga in this region. So yeah. I, I I agree with you guys. I'm on Gonzaga to get to the Final Four. All right, we got to try to speed things up. Um, in the East region, to face the winner of, of what we think is going to come out of the West in Gonzaga. Number one seed is Michigan, and you know we don't really have to touch on that line. Mount St. Mary's against Texas Southern, but what line stands out to you guys the most um, in the round of sixty-four for this region? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the bottom half of this region is the toughest part bracket of of any of the regions, and uh, I mean, I was distraught when Abilene Christian drew Texas. I mean, I'm just. I, I wanted to bet Abilene Christian so much, but this is a perfect example. You can't fall in love with teams because the way they play, it's going to be hard. Texas has three guys who can run the court, three big men, and they're going to play fast. So, you know, I, I don't see value with Abilene Christian there. The, the one game that stands out to me, and maybe I'm wrong, I know it's going to be a popular pick, I think UConn's going to pound Maryland. I do. I think they're going to win that game by 15-plus. I, I love UConn. I love their size. Uh, you know, with Booknight back, I, I just think they're going to pound them. That line at BetMGM, if we want to throw up some quick odds here, uh, that line down to two and a half. So I believe it got as, or might have opened at, at, uh, as a soft opener at some books at three, but that line sitting at UConn minus two and a half, total of 129 and a half. Maryland is a plus 125 
uh, money line bet to win the game outright. So want to respond to some of Tom's comments, then Reed, you could jump in. I'll, I'll say it right now, Texas is my pick to come out of the region. And people might point to that Abilene Christian game as a tough matchup because Abilene Christian forces the highest opponent's turnover percentage in college basketball, not just in a mid-major conference. Texas, like Tom mentioned, has a major size advantage in this game. And if Coleman can get to the rim, which is what he did against Oak State in the Big 12 title game, everybody was saying, and it was so recency bias, going back to yesterday, Oklahoma State's winning that game. What are you talking about? Texas can't win that game. People don't understand how good Texas is and how how much they've transformed as a team down the stretch here. Jericho Sims, where do you guys put? He's a he's a top ten big across college basketball. I, I, he's my one of my favorite players in the country, and that's my issue. Like um, Christian has a seven footer in Colton Cole, but man, I see him getting in foul trouble in this game. And once they lose him, their side they they don't have anything down low, and Texas is just going to pound them uh, again. If Abilene Christian had, had had the right draw, like maybe Kansas with all their energy against a team with a layoff, I'd have been all over them on the money line. But this is just a horrendous, horrendous draw for them. I I almost like Texas a little bit, laying the eight and a half, to be honest with you. Yeah, and – Kai Jones, Kai Jones, when he isn't getting foul trouble, Greg Brown, when he's engaged in the game and when he isn't getting foul trouble, this thing, this Texas length is going to give Abilene Christian a ton of issues. They should cover this, but I will say, I mentioned this on back QLU countdown to tip off. This game kind of reminds me, and we'll get your thoughts read after this. It kind of reminds me of Auburn against New Mexico state. When Auburn was like a five and a half point favorite, I had Auburn to get to the final four at a futures bet on that. I had Auburn to win the title at around 60 to one, too. This game might be tough for Texas, might be close down the stretch. If Texas gets past this game, if the turnover problems you know, aren't, don't come to fruition, they would face the winner of BYU versus Michigan State or UCLA. Then they get the winner of what we think is probably going to be UConn or Alabama. I think this region is wide open, and the door is wide open for Texas to get there. Again, one of the better teams in college basketball. The odds for odds at BetMGM right now for Texas to win, let's see if they're up to find them well the odds to win the title right now at MGM are 20 to 1 and they're not up for the current east region right now to make the final four if you want a futures bet i think texas is a pretty damn good futures bet right now considering how much this team has transformed matt coleman has become one of the better league guards in college basketball shaka smart's gotten a team to the final four before a vcu team that had you know had a lot of depth but and they they i will say with texas too they have a lot of ball pressure uh, if we saw that yesterday, Shaka implemented the VCU ball pressure. So I'm all in on Texas to come out of this region. We'll break down the bra- uh, bracket a little more closer after we get your thoughts on Texas, Reed. Yeah, I mean, I know you two are both in on Texas. I've wavered back and forth on them because I just – I see a lot of times in the second half, they're losing leads, they're losing kind of focus, it feels like, and then you got a guy like Matt Coleman who kind of bails them out. And listen, this is a talented team. Give me and- an instance. Well, I mean, that Texas Tech game was – I mean, they were in the game, they were out of the game. It's just they play a really volatile style to me. They aren't a truly dominant team. They're going to they're gonna give you some heart palpitations throughout the game for sure. They're an up-and-down team. I will say, though, to your point, and this is – I think this is also why a lot of people were taking Oklahoma State because they look at that box score, they watch the Texas-Texas Tech game saying, okay, well, Oklahoma State's a two-and-a-half-point dog. They just beat Baylor. Texas, I mean, that was the third time Texas and Texas Tech had matched up all season. And Texas yeah. Tech had a ton of calls in that game, too. Yeah. So you th- those, te- those teams know each other, knew each other so well 
from a defensive standpoint. So that's all I'm saying is like, I don't want to take too much away from that Texas tech game, but go ahead with your thoughts overall on the region. No, I, I think you're looking at a Texas or Yukon team in the bottom half of the region. I think Texas is incredibly talented and I'm, I'm more looking at that bottom half where Yukon, I think they're a problem for Alabama. I think Bama's in some yep. trouble here. And I mean, I could segue into that and kind of run yeah. with it, but Yukon, I think they're going to beat up Maryland. I'm not a Mar- I haven't been a Maryland guy all year. I think that team is fraudulent as all could be. No offense, just um, isolation, no movement, late shot clock three. It goes in or it's a miss, and then they don't offensive rebound. And they're on the other Yeah. Yeah. So um, to me, UConn, they're getting past Maryland. And then against Bama, UConn, fantastic at limiting the three. And you know Bama's shooting threes. So if they're not, if they're not getting clean looks and they're missing – Bama's in trouble because they don't rebound well, and UConn's physical as hell. So they're going to give them a fight. I think UConn's live to win that, and then that sets up a really interesting physical matchup against Texas. I think I lean Texas, but that's, you know, to me, that's going to be a really good game. Yeah, Hurley going up against Shaq is a fun Mm -hmm. coaching matchup, too, from an animation point. Yeah. (laughs) Um, UConn is a top 53-point defense, which is why if you want to think about taking Maryland, I wouldn't. Because that's a team, if you if you uh, get them in the half court and they don't run in transition with UConn, is a pretty pretty good overall defense, not just perimeter defense. If you get UConn up against Alabama, who relies a ton on the three, like Reed mentioned, late shot clock threes, even though when they get in transition, Herb Jones is electric. Um, I think UConn beats Bama. They're going to be dogs in that game too, which is great. We're going to get some value. And I hate to say it because I have an Alabama future at 90-1, to one, and I love this team. But you take it within the context of, what the SEC is, and I, the conference isn't good. So you go up against a team in UConn that is a, an elite perimeter defense and an Alabama team that as much as we love them defensively, they rely on the threes a ton. And I think UConn gets to the Sweet 16 before they lose to Texas. Tom, anything on the top of the bracket or on the top of the region or anything else you want to get to before we head on some first-round thoughts? Yeah, uh, real quick, I just Texas better come to play, though, because we know Abilene Christian is going to bring energy. And if they're, uh, Reed does make a good point about them being in and out mentally, uh, Christian will beat them if they're not ready to play. But I will look at the – a lot of people in the media are going to tell you to watch out for Florida State. I'm not going to be one of those people because I think they're going to lose against UNC Greensboro. I, I, I'm not sold on this Florida State team. I think they turn the ball over way too much. We talked about the SEC being bad. I mean, the ACC is terrible. It's terrible. That it, as down as I've ever seen it. I think Greensboro could be a live underdog here. So I, I like the points in that game. The, the upper part of this region, I, I don't know, man. It's just garbage. I, Colorado and Georgetown, I I, I don't see it. I, I think the, the winner of that LSU – Michigan game potentially is going to come out of here. I mean, I like LSU, but they don't play defense. So I got so you think get- LSU beat St. Bonaventure. You just said LSU, Michigan. I think that's going to be a great game. I give LSU a, a, a slight edge there. Slight edge. Okay. Uh, won't bet that one, but I think overall, this is a pretty tough bracket, especially down at the bottom. I agree with you guys about Alabama, but you know, I, I don't want to go off them too much. <laughs> Alabama is still a really talented team. Uh, you know, and if, uh, if something were to happen to Texas in that, in that Abilene Christian game, then I think it opens it up for Alabama to come out of this region. Uh, obviously UConn's going to be a tough matchup, but you know, the, the bottom part of this region is as tough as it comes. Going back to the Alabama point, the key, a couple of things to me that stand out, Josh Primo was on crutches today, had the brace. That's a big loss for Bama just in terms of a guy that could rate off the dribble. 
And Jordan Bruner looks bad on that knee brace too, playing in it. Like no speed. And going up against that UConn front court, even though they're not like elite in terms of a back to the basket. Yeah, no, they are. And they're they're very physical down low. Alabama, if Bruner can't give it a go, I know Gary looked okay today against LSU, but I mean, you know, they don't really have any other big that can match up. So Reese can't do anything uh, defensively. <laughs> He'll get exposed big time off the dribble by anybody. And uh, especially in the block on the block, um, Reese has no shot if Bruner is not hundred percent or close to hundred percent in that game against that UConn front court. So um, just overall, I think St. Bonaventure is live against LSU. They're a dog right now. I believe at, at that MGM, let's pull that up here. That one has me up in the air. I'm not sure, but I'm in the same. I'm in the same boat. If Michigan, I feel like we've now jumped too far off Michigan, and they might be cooked without livers. It's a huge loss, obviously. I mean, they if can't. They can't lift the floor. Like, yeah. you want you're gonna have Eli Brooks in the corner. You, Mike Smith can stretch the floor, but we've seen so many bailout shots from livers on the wing this year, and in the corner, mm-hmm. they missed no, so it, much. It, it's it's a fatal like blow, and you might get someone really random in the Elite Eight. I don't think Colorado is. Um, but you could get someone, you know, really out there. But to me, Michigan against LSU, I still lean Michigan in that game. I imagine the line is going to be. A- so you're you're completely bypassing St. Bonaventure, just like Tom. If LSU plays Michigan, I'd still lean Michigan. If it was St. Bonaventure, I think I'd actually lean with the Bonnies to beat Michigan. But LSU to me, while talented, they still don't play a lick of defense, like Tom said. So yeah. if it's going to if it's going to be a shootout, Michigan still has the offensive skill set to match, while also being a good defensive team. And then I just trust their discipline more. I think that they're able to run more sets. They could go inside to Dickinson. That's reliable offense. While Michigan, they still have the perimeter defense to um, shut down that LSU offense. They could throw bodies on Cam Thomas. So I still like Michigan to beat an LSU team against St. Bonaventure, though. I'm not sure. It's just that eight nine matchup. That's a toss up to me. Complete coin flip, which I think it's lined up. You know what? Yeah, it is. Uh, LSU, I believe, is a one and a half point favorite. You know what's crazy is if you look at Kempom right now, and I, I know we're you know we're digging into matchups. We're not just using surface level adjusted defensive efficiency mm-hmm. like some people like to do when they talk about college basketball. But St. Bonaventure tops you know the number seventeen uh, adjusted defense, uh, adjusted defensive efficiency on Kempom. This defense has come together big time. And they showed it against VCU today in the 8-10 title game. So from a defensive standpoint, I think they match up really well against an LSU team that wants to score inside. We saw that today with, with even though they have Cam Thomas on the wing, uh, Javante Smart off the dribble, um, and Watford, who had a huge game, 30 points against Bama today. So I think I think uh, Bonnie's interior defense should be able to slow down this LSU uh, dribble drive offense that, I mean, you know, Wade can go fuck himself. I, I absolutely hate um, LSU from a coaching standpoint, even though they have the you know some NBA talent on that roster. Yeah, and I'm gonna have to dive into this game a little more. I haven't really looked at, into it yet. I haven't you know broke down the matchups, so I we'll have to you know say. But the one thing about LSU, they don't turn the ball over that much. And I know St. Bonaventure likes that ball pressure, but it should be this probably be one of the better games around one. I'm probably gonna stay away though. We haven't touched on Rick Pitino and Iona at all. Does Iona have any shot against Alabama? No. No. <laughs> okay, so just straight up now. I don't think so. I think Patino did his u- usual great coaching job. He took a team like Iona to the to the championship, and I think a pretty down. It was impressive, but it's similar to the Wichita State thing, yeah. right? Like very impressive coaching job. They got this far. I listen. You, you know, let's not let's not go too overboard on Alabama. We know what they do to bad teams. It doesn't end well. So mm-hmm. I, I would expect a route here. 
I will say though, overall with Iona, they have a pretty good perimeter defense. So maybe maybe they cover the line. Uh, you know, we're not winning the game outright, but let's look at that line at that MGM. It's, it's a huge again. number. Yeah, 17 and a half. So yeah. I, I'm not gonna touch it. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take Iona against a, a Bama team that if they get out in transition and get some open looks, um, even though in the half court Iona is a pretty good perimeter defense. But you have a pretty good perimeter defense against St. Peter's, but right. 88 58 Alabama. Okay. Um, overall in this region, I think St. Bonaventure is a shot to get to the Sweet 16. I think defensively they match up well against LSU, like I mentioned. I think they match up well against Michigan. The question is, can their big stay out of foul trouble? Because if not, Dickinson's going to dominate down low, and yeah. Michigan's still going to win that game, even without are you, a are you playing them against LSU, or you don't know yet. It's a lean for me. I, so Bonnie's are getting one and a half. I I'll, I lean towards St. Bonaventure in the points. Um, rolling along here, I think I like Colorado against Georgetown in the first round. A lot of people are going to be on the Hoyas, Saxahoya in in that Colorado matchup. But um, that's actually a good point, Eli, because I've seen that number starting to go down now. If it keeps going down, I might be on Colorado too. I think Georgetown and Oregon State are nice stories. They're teams that get hot in their tournament. Now we start it all over again. Uh, in my opinion, they're both still average teams. Large Mars says, Eli, take a sip of water. Uh, that I'll, I'll give you guys credit. That's funny. Um, well, I, I agree, though, on Oregon State and Georgetown. They're probably going to come in incredibly overvalued now because of the run they're on. And Colorado, I think, is overrated, but they're Agreed. still – veteran team they they will beat up on the average teams in my opinion i think you see at least colorado win their first round game and then we'll see what happens in in that florida state game all right so overall thoughts florida state is concerning i haven't touched on them much but they turned the ball over a ton 20 plus turnovers against georgia tech yesterday my god um yeah i I think colorado could get to the sweet 16 we could have a st bonaventure colorado matchup if, if my um my bracket is the way it stays, but remember to sign up for the Geico million, million dollar bracket t- challenge with NRCOM and radio.com go to radio.com and search million dollar bracket challenge. So my final four as it sits is Texas and Florida state with Texas getting out of this region and getting to the final four going up against Gonzaga. What, what are your guys picks in 30 seconds or less? Yeah, I have Texas as well. Um, I, I think whoever emerges from that bottom half steel cage match between Alabama, UConn, and Texas is going to go to the Final Four. I'm a big Michigan fan, but with the injury there, I think that hurts them against physical athletic teams, like whoever's going to come out from the bottom there. So Michigan to the Elite Eight for me, but Texas to the Final Four. Reed? Yeah, this is my least confident region. I'm going to go with Texas over Florida State. I think if Florida State can get there, they match up pretty well with Michigan. Michigan, the one thing they don't do is turn their opponents over. So I think Florida State could actually take advantage. They can actually pose some trouble on Hunter Dickinson. So in pencil, I'll go Texas over Florida State. But UConn's lurking in there. I I think that they have a real chance. No, I I love it, man. Uh, We're on the same page with Texas and Florida State. Uh, Moving on to the South region, where I think things can get a little crazy. Uh, Baylor, the one seed, North Carolina, Wisconsin. We got we got that matchup, a fun matchup in, a, in an 8-9 game. Villanova, Winthrop, a game that's probably one of the biggest public dogs across um, the NCAA tournament bracket right now. Uh, Purdue, North Texas. I know Reed's kind of pissed off about that from last night. Uh, we'll touch on that. Texas Tech, Utah State, good defensive matchup. Arkansas, Colgate, Tom's going to fucking wreck hell um, on this show when he talks about that game. Uh, Florida, Virginia Tech. And Ohio State and Oral Roberts. Um, where do you guys want to go first? 
Well, you know where I want to go. Arkansas oh, Colgate. Let's let's take a look at that game. So Colgate, it's kind of an anomaly this year. They've only played five teams, um, and none of them are overly good. So they did not play Navy in the Patriot League. Now, I know Navy lost in the first round of the tournament because they had uh, two of their players were out, including their best player. But I thought Navy was the best team in the Patriot League. I wish they played so we could have seen that game. I mean, Colgate, you're looking at Army, BU, Holy Cross, and Bucknell and Loyola. That's who they played. And they've given up over 70 points, seven out of their 15 games. Ah, man, they're going to try to play fast with Arkansas. This is Arkansas's game. They have more athletes. They're deeper. I just, to me, this is how you bet this game. You lay the points with Arkansas and you take their team total over. Mm. Because if Colgate's going to cover this, they got to hit 80 plus. There's no way. If, if Colgate scores 68, they're getting beat by 30. So that's how I see this game. I just think it's a bad, bad matchup for Colgate. Reed, uh, what game stands out to you in this, um, in the early portion as we break this down on a Sunday night? of yeah. the South region. Yeah, this Ohio State-Oral Roberts game is really sticking out to me. Um, Oral Roberts, let me start on Ohio State's defense. It's not good. I know Eli has been on months, and they've been exposed and gashed from deep. Not to mention, they blew, not including the Illinois game uh, today, the three games before that, they blew set double-digit second-half leads in each one. Their defense cannot close out games. And you're looking at Oral Roberts. I just want to pull up the numbers so I'm 100% correct. But they are 11th in three-point percentage. They take the 20. They have the 22nd highest three-point rate. So they are chucking from deep. And if they're on, they're going to stay in this game. So the way I'm playing it is I'm on Oral Roberts plus 16 and a half, which I believe is the current line. And I'm also on the over, 154 and a half, because I see not much defense being played. I see a lot of threes, a lot of made threes. And I think Oral Roberts is going to hang in this game. As long as they're not punched in the mouth early and they just roll over, you know, it, like Ohio state kind of just like blitzes them early. And then they just build a quick 18 point lead. It's just over. But I think Oral Roberts going to come ready to play and jump out to an, an early lead, maybe high scoring game. I think this each team breaks 80, 85. My question for this game is Kyle young. I want to know his status first and foremost, but yeah, Oral Roberts could get dominated on the glass. And like yeah. you mentioned, that's where it can get out of hand because this yeah. team is undersized against Ohio State, even if uh, Young doesn't play. And I will say, like, yes, Ohio State's perimeter defense, to Reed's point, I, I was all over that during that four-game losing streak. I think that bet against him in every single game. With Kyle Young out over the weekend, and it showed up against more so Michigan than Illinois, um, Seth Towns was really good defensively and really good on the glass um, in the Michigan game. So I want to bet Oral Roberts, but I am a little concerned from a physicality standpoint uh, against those Ohio State bigs. Not dominant, but E.J. Liddell, a pretty good rebounder. I mentioned Towns. Um, I, I lean Oral Roberts. I'm not going to make the bet yet, even though there is some value there in that line if they're on from three. Also, just one last thing, two amazing free throw shooting teams. So if it gets into the bonus early, you can count on these guys to make their free throws. So I'm – I like this over for sure. That's why I'm splitting my bet half on spread, half on the so over. Not a full size bet for you on a on a on a typical March on a typical uh, March Madness bet or yeah. I, I, yeah, I split it even on these gotcha. two. I think both end up getting there, but you know, way to like, cover myself a little bit. All right, Tom, what say you? Yeah, a couple of things here because you mentioned public. I think there's two big public bets here. 
Uh, one is the over in the Arkansas Colgate game. I believe it opened 158 and a half. It's already up to 162 and a half at mm. uh, Bet MGM. So a lot of people love that over. That you, we saw that on Twitter the second it was announced. And you mentioned um, Winthrop. That's going to be the number one public dog. I'm going to watch that line because if it keeps going down, I might have to take Villanova with some of that value. Um, I, listen, the I question. Understand. Before you keep going here, the question for Nova is, is Justin Moore going to play? Because they, yeah. they need they need a true ball handler in this game, especially against a Win- Winthrop team that can't pressure the ball a little bit and will we'll run in transition against a Nova team that wants to slow it down. Right, but if, uh, I mean, Villanova still has a few good players. And if we get down to, you know, I, I remember a couple of years ago with Kentucky and uh, who, who, who the heck did they play at? Uh, Wofford, right? Uh, that line got so low that we lost it at the end with free. I mean, these lines yeah. end up getting so low that then you start to move and there's value on the favorite. So I'm going to have to see what this does because I know based on Twitter, every human being on earth is going to be on Winthrop. And I will say to your point with free throws, it's a good point. Winthrop overall is bottom 100 in free throw percentage in college basketball at 68%. So I'm really glad you brought that up. But the key for me in this game, if Justin Moore is going to play or not, um, Winthrop, Winthrop uh, does have its fair share of turnover issues as well. And Villanova can turn you over. And I mentioned Winthrop can, can turn opponents over the 23rd highest op- opponents turnover rate across college basketball. But Villanova has, you know, doesn't turn the ball over, but that's with Gillespie and with more. So you just, you wonder if Jay Wright's going to have something up his sleeve from a ball handling standpoint, but at the same time, I don't know what he could do uh, from a point guard um from a point guard perspective or just from a ball handler standpoint in this game. So I lean Winthrop, even though it's going to be a very public side. Reed. Yeah. I lean Winthrop at like this current number, but like Tom said, this keeps diving down. It gets to a point where it's still Villanova. I get they lost their best player and their heart and soul of the team. I do lean Winthrop now, but only at this number. I could, I could easily, you know, look to buy out of that play. If it gets to a certain point, maybe play for a middle or just eat the juice. But Winthrop is an issue for Villanova. They are they go the complete opposite way. Villanova wants to play slow. They want to grind out possessions and get efficient looks. They don't have a guy that can really calm the storm anymore. Where a Winthrop team, they want to run and gun. They're 11th in adjust the tempo per Kempom. So they're going to look to turn you over and run. And I don't know if Villanova has the guns right now to handle like a, you know some serious pressure from Winthrop. Yeah, especially if you get into a late-game situation where it's a two- or three-point game and you're pressuring mm-hmm. the ball at full court, which Winthrop will do, will do, and again, they could turn you over. So I'm with you, Reed. Um, so yeah, I just one, thing, one thing real quick, though. Yeah. Just, the public dog doesn't always lose. Uh, I remember Murray State a couple years ago, and everyone yeah. on earth was on yep. John Morant, right? And they, they won big. So you know, I don't want to say just – I'm just saying I'm just looking at value here. That doesn't mean everyone's mm-hmm. going to bet Winthrop and they're going to lose. Yeah, and it's a good point. It's all about matchups. We we've been talking about this for weeks. If you go back to that game with um with Marquette and uh, with Marquette and Murray State, Murray State had an, had an elite perimeter defense. They were top five in the country in perimeter defense, going up against a team in, in Marquette that relied a ton on their threes. Yeah, and I mean, that, we practice what we preach here. If it wasn't about matchups, I'd be betting Abilene Christian. Of course. And then though, the following game, it was a bad matchup, Murray State against Florida State. And if you were if you were coming back the other way on Florida State, you cashed out because they won by 40. They double teamed Moran and he did nothing. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. That's that was one of those things where it was recency bias. I think the line was like four and a half in that game too mm-hmm. for Florida State, and they blew them out. Like you said, it's a really good point. Reed. By the way, second official play is in. I'm on the Bobcats, baby, at eight and a half. So two bets in for me, Drake, and both from the West Region. Drake at plus two. We mentioned this earlier. Go check it out if you missed it. We'll, we'll podcast the po- we'll post the podcast after the show. Um, Ohio also at plus eight and a half. Yeah, and re- real quick before we get out of this region, because, uh, you know, I joked on Twitter that I've lost $1.5 million betting against Wisconsin in the tournament. Um, and yeah, I'm, dying to bet against, I'm dying to bet against them again. So but I just feel like they've burned me so many times. What do you guys think of that UNC-Wisconsin matchup? Someone made a comment in the chat. I love this. Um, Nate Reavers under rebounds. <laughs> yeah, Wisconsin, I mean, you guys know I, I went there. I don't bet against my team. This is this is tough. This is like pulling teeth. UNC is a matchup nightmare for Wisconsin. So much size on the glass. They're going to push around Reavers and Potter. This team's drawing dead. I mean, it's going to be an ugly game. It's going to be a rough fight, but I think UNC is just going to impose their will. I don't know if Wisconsin really wants to be there. I'm with you. I mean, they, they didn't look disinterested against Iowa, but man, did their offense look bad in the half court again. Mm-hmm. And when they can't when they can't post the floor, when Dimitri Trice can't pull up. From, from the three-point line, it's it's a gross offense to watch, especially when you're in the latter part of their game and their legs kind of get tired. UNC with a top 22-point scoring rate. Wisconsin, a uh, bottom 85 to opponents' two-point scoring rate. So UNC should dominate this game inside with Baycott, Brooks. Brooks has kind of been more of a you know lesser factor just because how how effective uh, Walker Kessler has been for stretches of uh, the latter part of conference play. So I think UNC should be able to win this game in the current line at Bet MGM is UNC minus two. Are we betting UNC in this game? Or are we going to wait? I'll, I'll probably wait. I I just can't pull the trigger. David Garvin says people forget Wallach was a bigger Tar Heels fan than a Nets fan at one point of his life. What is never this? never bigger never bigger than the never bigger than the Nets. That's always number one. But I was I grew up a big UNC fan. You know Tyler Hansbrough, Ty Lawson. That was the first team I really loved. Um, that team. Shout out to, or go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you guys about Utah State, Texas Tech, because you know the Aggies are my team. I'm pumped that they got into the tournament, but this is a tough matchup. I'm pissed that this was the Lega. I think we just lost Reed. A little bit of connection issue there. There we go. He's back. He's back. You're back. I'm back. We're talking Utah State, Texas Tech. Yeah, I'm pumped they got in. That's one of my favorite teams. Yeah, yeah, this is a bad matchup. I agree. Um, I, I was actually looking to go against Texas Tech in the first round because I think they've been overvalued all season. But this, to me, is not the team to do it against. Yep. I, I think uh, Texas Tech is probably going to win this game pretty easily. Pretty good interior defense for, for Texas Tech, too, because they run that no-middle defense. Mm-hmm. They don't have, like, an elite defensive big to go up against Kada, But from a ball pressure standpoint, especially when you get inside the arc, I don't think this is a good matchup. For Utah State, the the total in this yeah. game, by the way, is moving a ton. So if you look at the the current odds for this game at BetMGM, we are sitting at uh, Texas Tech minus five. That's up from four and a half. Total of one thirty two and a half, and Utah State is plus one eighty five on the money line. I, I I lean Texas Tech in this game, um, and I think Texas Tech actually is a shot to make a run to the Elite Eight. We mentioned it with perception of the Big Twelve. Um, yes, they've had their struggles. Yes, they lost to Texas, although a very good Texas team in all of our eyes. So you mm-hmm. look at this region, especially the bottom half of it, Arkansas, Florida Vitek, 
no play for me in that game right now. No idea what's really make of that game with Aluma against Castleton. Um, Ohio State. The top of this region's interesting, though. I think Purdue, hot take for me in the South region. I think Purdue has a shot to make it out of this region and get to the Final Four and beat Baylor along the way. Your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I, you know, listen, we both like Purdue. Um, I know we're both going to be on them next year, probably. I think they're probably a year away from making a final four run. The, but I can't argue that they're, I mean, I really like them to get to Baylor. So, I, I mean, if you get your game there, sure, I, I think they can come out of this region. The, I, I just don't know if this is the year that they're going to beat the Bears. I, I'm the believer that the Big 12 was the best conference and Baylor is the best team. So I have them winning it all. Yeah. My my only my only comment, just read before you go, um, before before you break down the game, potential Baylor Purdue matchup. Uh Purdue's bigs can really give this Baylor front court issues with Jonathan Tamatachua and Flo Thamba. Baylor's biggest defensive weakness is their interior defense. So if, if Zach Eady and um and Travion Williams have big games. Purdue, if you go back to the Ohio State game, like they were right there. And that was a coin flip game in overtime. I know they were down by double digits, but that was also a pissed off Ohio State team after losing twice during the year to Purdue. So I think you might be getting some value on this team. If you look at their final four odds right now on BetMGM, Purdue is plus 800 to come out of the region. I don't think it's crazy. Yeah, and Reed, right before you go, I just want to mention one thing because it's interesting. Reed's going to do an article tomorrow about the you know the the Ken Palm history. Uh, there's there's only only these teams can win the tournament, right? If you just go by Ken Palm's offense and defensive efficiency. Ironically, Baylor is not one of those teams. They are 44th in defensive efficiency now, which is shocking for where they were earlier in the season. So if you go by the Ken Palm model. Baylor is not one of the teams that will win the NCAA tournament. So that's kind of interesting to me. Right. And Reed, go ahead, and then we'll we'll kind of move along here. No, I just – when you look at Purdue versus Baylor, Baylor's still the best three-point shooting team in the country. I don't know if Purdue is going to be able to match that firepower. You think of Purdue, you think of this is a great three-point shooting team. They've had it over the years. They aren't at that great of a three-point shooting team. They Different are, team. It's a different team completely. Edie's a problem, but it's also a young team. I think they're outside the top 300 mm-hmm. in experience. So they might get a little overwhelmed with Baylor, a veteran team like that could just really kind of rough them up. And I I just can't get behind Matt Painter in March. It's just it feels like time and time again he's coming up short. And it's, you know, you do it. I mean, it, they could have beaten Virginia two years ago. Yeah, they should have beaten Virginia. It just it it always sticks with me, Matt Painter. You know, he we short Matt Painter in March. So I can't get there with Purdue. And I actually, we haven't spoken about it yet, but, or we did briefly, but Arkansas is my team to go to the final four out of this region. I, 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 right. <laughs> I mean, this is a well-balanced team. They have a stud in Moody. I've been, uh, um, I've been on them to win the national title. I got on with Tom at 60 to one. I just added them to go to the final four at eight to one. So I'm really big on this Arkansas team. And I really like their path also because they're getting a vulnerable Ohio state team. I think Arkansas wins that game. And along the way, if they get Texas Tech, that's going to be a rock fight. But I kind of trust their yeah. offensive weapons more to get there. Me, okay. Eli and I were talking about that before the the show. If it's Texas Tech and Arkansas, just tie the game with 30 yeah. seconds left. Throw the ball up. We'll do a jump ball. Whoever gets it can take the last shot. I mean, that's exactly the type of game that's going to be. Yeah, so I think Arkansas, to me, has a really favorable path. 
And listen, if Purdue beats Baylor, that's even better for me. But I think Arkansas could kind of match the physicality of Baylor. Yeah, I that's fair. And they definitely could. I, I just we we go back to the SEC. I'm not that impressed with Arkansas overall in terms of making a run in the tournament mm-hmm. because I don't trust the conference. Like they're the full body of work is okay. Arkansas one eleven in a row. They got hot. And they when Justin Smith is in the lineup, this team is that much better defensively because of what he brings on the glass and just his, you know, as a rim runner when this team runs in transition. But just overall, like, I think they might struggle against Texas Tech. Like Tom mentioned, one possession game down the stretch, coin flip. Ohio State's also interesting, but they don't play any defense and they can't guard the perimeter. And if you match up against Baylor, uh, you're not going to match up yeah. well if you're Ohio State. So if, if Purdue can make this a half-court game against Baylor, you're right, Reed, because Purdue is not the best matchup for Baylor, from, or at least they are. From their own perspective, they're not because they can't guard the perimeter. But from an interior standpoint, uh, Purdue could have a lot of success with Edie and Williams if they play more in the half court. So I, I kind of like Purdue as a sleeper pick to come out of the South. Um, on to the final region, uh, the Illinois region. Illinois, the one seed going up against Drexel. Boy, I, thought we, I thought we were done. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got more. Uh, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, an hour and 15. That wasn't too bad. <laughs> Hey, honestly, we're like an hour tech because we bullshitted for. I, I was going to say though, I just shut up more on the last region. I thought we were coming to a close. <laughs> Got some more to do, my man. Um, Loyola Chicago, Georgia Tech, Tennessee, Oregon State, Oak State, Liberty. Uh, fun game in the round of, of sixty-four. San Diego State, Syracuse, West Virginia, Moorhead State, uh, Clemson, Rutgers. Hello, and Houston and Cleveland State. What are our initial thoughts, boys? So, so I, I don't love this region. Um, I'm obviously just going to bet against Cleveland State so because I can't stand that bench mob kid and I want to watch them get beat by 40. Um, <laughs> the other thing is looking at the Syracuse game. I like Syracuse a little bit. Um, it's going to be yeah. interesting. It's going to be uh, it's going to be that zone against San Diego State with San Diego State's big rebounding edge. If San Diego State's missing shots, listen. We know my love-hate affair with Syracuse, but I got to give them a little bit of credit. They've played better down the stretch. Uh, as much as I criticize Jim Beheim, he's using the press more. He's trapping more. So I will give them credit there. I don't think that they are the most talented Syracuse team, but I'm probably not going to bet it. This is a pretty even game. I think the spread's about right, but I give Syracuse a slight nod. Um, and I'm I'm interested to hear what you guys. I mean, I don't want to hear anything about Clemson Rutgers. I'd rather die than watch that. We're getting to it. I know we're getting it. I just don't want to hear it. Um, I I just want to hear it as you guys go through your thing, the Loyola Georgia Tech game, which is probably the most fascinating game to me in round one. What your thoughts are on that? Yeah, a lot of people are going to be on Loyola Chicago. They're the public ish. I mean, what what is that line right now? Let's see it on that MGM public favorite. Two, yeah. Uh, Loyola, yeah, lane two, total of 124 and a half. Georgia Tech plus 115 on the money line. If you look at this game from like an X's and O's standpoint, Georgia Tech should be able to score inside. And I also don't think this is a good matchup for Loyola Chicago because Crutwig against Moses Wright is not a great matchup for, for the Ramblers offensively. Uh, they can't space the floor. This is a, a better offense overall than what we saw from uh, when they made that Final Four run three years ago. But that team had a ton of individual scores. Like Dante Ingram, Clayton Custer, Marcus Towns, I covered that team. That was a ton of fun. Um, one of the best runs to, to, in college basketball among the major programs in the last decade plus. 
But from a from a team standpoint, this team is better offensively. From an individual scoring standpoint, when you have to be able to get a bucket, I don't necessarily trust this team against a pretty good defense in Georgia Tech that can pressure the ball. Yeah, I actually I agree with you, Eli. I I actually make Georgia Georgia Tech kind of a favorite. I thought this game was going to come out of pick them. I would say Georgia Tech is probably a one to two point favorite in my. Did you opinion. got it. No, I I don't, I don't want to bet this game because I'm interested in how it's going to play out. You, you know what I mean? Like I yeah. do go on edge of Georgia Tech. I didn't bet it immediately though because I want to dive in. The issue with Georgia Tech is they get gashed from three, and it just feels like. They did it in the ACC tournament against Florida State. They pulled that comeback, but it feels like there's a lot of times, similar in Texas, where they're letting leads slip. Remember that Duke game at home a few weeks back? Like, they just let a game slip away. It feels like they have trouble closing games sometimes. So I'm staying away from that game. The team I'm interested in is Tennessee. I know you guys aren't as in. I actually think this draw sets up pretty nicely to get to Illinois. We talked about this at the beginning before we went live. No, I, I was saying to Tom, but I know you guys aren't at you guys I mean, aren't you, you mean long term. We I kind of like them against Oregon State, but you're saying we don't like yeah, them. Yeah, I like them in a future matchup against yeah. Oklahoma State or potentially Liberty. And we could get into the Oklahoma State Liberty game, but it feels like there's gonna be a lot of momentum behind Oklahoma State, and rightfully so. Cade Cunningham is the best player in the country, in my opinion. But Tennessee matches up really well. I think they're gonna take care of Oregon State pretty handily. And then if they do get Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's really sloppy with the ball. 298th turnover rate in the country, and Tennessee turns you over at a top 15 clip. They have the length. They have the size to match Oklahoma State. They can throw guys at Cade. And I don't know. I, it feels like if Tennessee brings their A game, which isn't a guarantee, they could beat Oklahoma State. They could take care of business. I don't know if they'll beat Illinois, but I'm getting back on board with this Tennessee team. Okay. I like Tennessee against Oregon State, too. Um. I- kind of just goes back to my overall thought about the Pac-12 and similar to the SEC. Don't really trust the overall body of the work or body of work from a conference standpoint. Uh, Liberty against Oklahoma State's a very intriguing matchup. Uh, Liberty getting a full three possessions, getting nine and a half points. That line sitting at Oklahoma State minus nine and a half at that MGM, total of 142 and a half. And the Flames are plus 375 on the money line. McGee, is one of the better point guards in college basketball. They want to play at a much slower tempo, pretty good defensive rebounding team and a really good game ground rebounding team at that because they're undersized, kind of like Houston. Uh, now, Houston has more size and they're in the same region, but Houston elite at game rebounding and getting guys around the basket. Um, and Liberty, same thing. So even though Oklahoma State has a size advantage, they have one of the best players in college basketball. I think Liberty getting three possessions is a lot for a team that's going to want to slow down the tempo and if they can control the glass in this one too. Um, Liberty nine and a half is an intriguing bet for me for a first round game. Yeah, I also no, go ahead. Uh, I think there's, there's a lot of momentum behind Oklahoma State that people are going to be shocked when Liberty hangs in this game. Maybe you know gets hot from three, catches Oklahoma State. Maybe a little little um, catch them sleeping a little bit maybe at the beginning. And listen, Cade could just take over a game. I'm not doubting right. that. Nine and a half just feels like a lot. Like you said, Eli, I'm going to bet this actually. I was surprised the line was so high when it came out. Um, I think the market has What's shifted. The, market? the market's in love with Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's that, that's what I was going to say. I mean, earlier in the year, I thought, you know, there there was some times you could, you could take them. But now it's kind of gone the other way. And, I mean, 10 points in this game feels awfully high when you compare it to some of the other spreads that we're seeing. Right. No, I will I will probably be on Liberty. That's a lean for me right now to not an official play, but want to get to maybe the game of the year. Rutgers <laughs> against Clemson. Uh, <laughs> Listen, 
I just got to say this right now. I'm going to look it up. But if that game's not on True TV, then I give up. I mean, that's talk about a game that was made for True TV. Oh my God, TBS, nine o'clock on Friday night. Good Lord, prime time <laughs> under the lights. Under the lights. Top. Tom and I will be on six seventy to score and do an, uh, an hour long pregame show for Rutgers. Yeah. The scary thing is, is I know what you're going to say, and I agree because I think Clemson is the worst team in this tournament. I can't stand Clemson, and I'm, I think Rutgers is probably going to win that first game. It's going to be the second game you talk about where we disagree. Okay, so I want to I want to break down this game for a little bit. I think I think Miles Johnson is going to give Amir Sims fits. Um, kind of crazy to say, but I from a from an interior scoring standpoint for Clemson and also Clemson, even though they're not a great three great three point shooting team, they rely on it at a pretty high clip. And Rutgers has a very good perimeter defense. So I not only think Rutgers wins this game, I think and Rutgers. I, I I can't wait. I just, this is, it's so funny they put these two teams in the same bracket because remember the night when uh, yeah. I was making fun of Rutgers and you said Calvin Sampson says hi the night they lost to East Carolina. So it could be me versus you in this one. You're, you would, you would lay, the, so what is that? What's a projected line for Houston Rutgers? It's got to be like, Reed, what do you think? Like eight and a half? Oh, Seven yeah, for half? sure. They, they won't get double digits, but it'll be like eight and a half, nine. I'll bet Rutgers if they get to the round of 32 again. I, th- I think Rutgers is getting to the Elite Eight. That's my hot take. That's my okay. biggest hot take, hot take on the podcast. I think Rutgers is getting to the getting to the Elite Eight. They Illinois will, is coming out of this region for me, but I think this is a pretty solid path. You get West. We haven't talked about West Virginia, by the way. I think they they might be on upset alert against Moorhead State. Um, yeah, I want you to State, sell me on that one. Say that one more time. I want you to sell me on that one. Okay, uh, we'll get to that in a second, but. Syracuse, San Diego State, San Diego State. I mean, could make a run in this region too. Could could get to the Elite Eight. There's no doubt about that. I'm all dark now. Got to turn on the light, unless Buddy Day <laughs> goes off. But that's uh, how you know it's been a long night. <laughs> yeah, that's how you know that maybe the power is going out of my fucking bracket because I'm taking Rutgers <laughs> to the Elite Eight. But I think it's I think it's a solid path for a team that has really good guard play in Geo Baker. Um, and someone brought up in the chat too. I think if Mulcahy gets hot, I think if McConnell gets hot, like this is a Rutgers team that can shoot. So I'm just, I would be a little wary on trying to fade Rutgers overall, because again, they come from a pretty good conference in the big 10. Yeah. I mean, no, I actually, while you guys were talking, I bet Rutgers minus one and Liberty plus nine and a half. So those are official plays for me. I'm in on those. Um, but Reed, you, that, know, you know, you know, make this podcast go faster. Why don't you tell us the games you didn't bet? <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of dogs, a lot of dogs. I, I think dogs are barking, but I agree though. San Diego state, Syracuse, that game kind of a coin flip. Cause there's going to be a lot of three point shooting and San Diego state lets up a ton of threes. If Syracuse gets hot, buddy Bayheim shoots like he did in the ACC tournament, San Diego state's going to get bounced. And then you look at West Virginia I don't know if Syracuse could beat West Virginia, but I'd be much more confident San Diego State beating West Virginia because I think their defense will be able to slow down West Virginia enough. They match up a little bit better. And San Diego State's offense, still with Matt Mitchell, it's still an efficient offense. It's not as explosive. They play slow. But that's I think West Virginia is in trouble. I think that this is an early exit for them. Large Marge comes in and says, does it read that every game? I think, I think he <laughs> it's, the it's the tournament. We, got, we need to get action out there. 
It is the tournament uh, using the East Coast lingo. So going back to the uh, West Virginia Moorhead State game, because Tom wanted to touch on that. I think Broom against Culver is one of the best big matchups in the first round. And West Virginia, even though they have Culver, gives up a lot of points inside. Now, I know it's the Ohio Valley versus the Big 12, but if if Moorhead State can defend the three, which they're not the worst three-point shooting defense overall, and, I mean, West Virginia gives up a lot of shooting pockets I, I'm with, I have futures on West Virginia. I'm just, this is one of those futures bets where I'm a little concerned, kind of similar to Alabama. And then if you get West Virginia matched up against San Diego state, like you said, Reed going up against that sort of a defense that could pressure the ball. West Virginia is a great three point shooting team against teams that aren't defending the three point arc at that sort of a, that sort of a tenacious uh, style of defense like San Diego state does. So I think, at this point, I'm I'm not going to be backing West Virginia to make a deep run in the region. Instead, I'll be backing Rutgers to get to the Elite Eight. So, yeah, the, the one thing that concerns me about Moorhead State is their turn. I mean, you know how I like to look at the turnover rates. Uh, you know, 332 in the country against West Virginia who can pressure the ball. That That's the one thing that concerns me. I'm trying to get there on this game because uh, – I'm not going to bet it. I just – I think from a – I think from a standpoint – of West Virginia, well, I mean, I, I said more at State's live, but I think from a, a big-to-big standpoint, it's fascinating because Culver, when he's inefficient, West Virginia's offense, when they try to go inside out, doesn't really work. Yeah, I, it, it should be interesting. The You know, West Virginia is one of those teams, they don't look good on paper. They they play hard. Uh, I understand they have some defensive problems. I, I will say this, I don't think they match up well with Syracuse at all. Uh, that's, a, that's a team where I think Syracuse could – that zone can hurt them a little bit. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but it, it'll be interesting. Uh, West Virginia is a team to me that could lose to Moorhead state or make a final four run. I mean, they've showed that against teams like Gonzaga and Baylor that they're that good. I mean, they were right there with both those teams, but again, their defense is so bad that they're always in tied 88, 88 games. We'll see what happens. All right. So overall guys, uh, who's coming out of the region. We gave out our picks of so some of our bets, for this region, uh, what are you guys taking in the Midwest region? Uh, Chalk Casale is going with Illinois. Yeah, I, I still over who? Oh, Illinois over uh, well Houston, of course. The I mean, the, no brainer there. Yeah, I we didn't even talk about Illinois, but we yeah. I imagine when we get to the Final Four talk, we're going to talk about Illinois. But I still like them to get through. But I have a future on Illinois twenty to one, so I'm just going to talk about Houston because I'm going to take them. Four to one to win to make the final four. I see that uh, those odds. Houston is damn good. They are no joke at all. And I think people are going to be surprised when they see the tournament when they start blitzing teams like Rutgers in the second round, like I think. But I mean, this is a top 20 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. They rebound so well. Great three point shooting team. I just, this seems like a perfect storm. And Illinois Houston to me looks like a potential classic. Like that's like game of the tournament level stuff. We'll see if that so, happens. Yeah, so <laughs> Rutgers in Houston, I'm going to care more about that game than any game in the tournament. <laughs> that right now. So, we're about Houston. so we're going to have a, a herskovich Casali clash. But, well, uh, yeah, you're going to make me bet him out of spite for sure, but I'm just saying <laughs> the, the, I'm going to want to win that game more than any game this season. All right, well, we're going to get there. So uh, I, I will probably have a bet on Rutgers against Clemson. I'm with Reed. I think from a matchup standpoint, we talked about that. So don't want to get too much uh, deeper. But I will say with Illinois, you know, tire legs for both Illinois and Ohio State in overtime. That was pretty evident. Though Sumu took a bad shot to try to win it. 
you know, the X factor for Illinois in terms of just dominating uh, besides Iota Sumu over a stretch and, and a game can have a big game. Andre Curbelo has looked so good in the Big Ten tournament. He looks like a junior out there, man, with his handle and his ability to, to pressure the ball. Um, they're the pressuring the ball less overall as a team, unlike, uh, you know, which isn't typical Brad Underwood style of defense because they want us to try to speed you up once they rebound the ball and kind of pack you in defensively, unlike past Underwood teams. But I think Curbelo is kind of the X factor to Illinois make it a run, which in, in a positive way, I think he will be that good besides Dosumu, besides Coburn. Because we saw today, I mean, Coburn got in foul trouble and who showed up? Georgie Bishanashvili, who's, you know, for most of this season and last season, once they got Coburn in the mix, awful finishing at the rim. But he came mm-hmm. up with two and one, uh, two and one buckets today. Just a, a big time performance for Bashanis Vili in the second half when Ohio State needed some some presence around the rim. So I think Illinois comes out of the region. Um, and I have a so my final four picks in pencil. I don't know what I'm doing with the South region. I really don't right now. Um, I have Gonzaga in the West, Texas in the East. Uh, South is question mark, maybe Purdue. And then Midwest is Illinois. Tom, what say you? Um, yeah, I have the Illini. Um, I have Baylor. I have Gonzaga, and I have Texas. But you know, those are those are my. I'm going to go mostly chalk this year. I don't typically do that. Other than I think Gonzaga is locked stock. I mean, they're they're locked central for the Final Four. The other anything though, I could see Illinois losing round two. I mean, Baylor could lose. So it'll be interesting. I mean, uh, round you know, two. You think Illinois can go down round in the round of thirty-two? Well, that's. I think the they have the toughest eight nine matchup with uh, Loyola and Georgia Tech. The you know I don't think that one of those teams are going to beat them, but I'm saying I wouldn't be the the end of the world. I wouldn't be shocked if they if they were. You know where you know does anyone think that the, the Zags are going to lose round two to Oklahoma, Missouri? I mean they're going to kill those teams. Yeah. So I, I think they got a tough draw there. You know the. One thing that you've mentioned a lot, though, about Baylor, and I think will be interesting if they get this team in the second round, is their interior defense. Yeah. Well, UNC's sitting there with some pretty big guys. So that'll be an interesting second-round game. But for me, it's Baylor, Illinois, Gonzaga, Texas. My, my issue in a potential Baylor-UNC game is with Caleb Love and the UNC backcourt going up against one of the best defensive yeah. backcourts in college basketball. But anyways, Reed, go ahead with your Final Four. Yeah, I got Gonzaga – Arkansas, Illinois, and then in pencil, Texas, maybe UConn. Those seem to be my, those two I'm kind of going back and forth on. So we have the same final. I mean, I might take Purdue, but we essentially have this, the three of us have the same final four. Well, I, I, I would have taken Michigan, no doubt, in this bracket if Livers was healthy. I would have yeah. been stuck with Chalk. I would have had to do something different. But again, I, I could see UConn making a run. I have a feeling I'm going to end up changing my mind on that. But um, yeah, I guess we all got the same. So I think it's the, year, though. the when, when the years that are top heavy like this, you're not as inclined to take it. I mean, I think we all think that whether we pick them or not, the Zags, Baylor, Michigan, Illinois, I mean, those are four really, really good teams. It, some years you get number ones that are, might not be that powerful and you're looking to go against them. I don't know if that's going to happen this year. Okay. Oh, wait, I have Arkansas. I have Arkansas. No, oh, Baylor. Did I say okay. Baylor? You did say Baylor. Oh, it's late. I apologize. Arkansas. Oh, you said Arkansas. I gave you the thumbs up. Oh, maybe maybe yeah. I thought Baylor. Okay, it is late. It is late <laughs> for me then. I thought I heard Baylor. So three out. Of, so yeah, I mean that region is up in, is a coin flip for me at this point. Um, but three out of the three out of the four for all three of us: um, Gonzaga, Texas, and Illinois. 
So let's kind of go through it here. Maybe spend two minutes on this. Um, give each of our perspectives on our potential Final Four matchups. Gonzaga-Texas, I think, is a very tough matchup for Gonzaga just because of the long court's length. That's the biggest issue for Gonzaga is their interior defense. So I mentioned it with Baylor, but like Drew Timmy is a very solid offensive big, but you go up against that length for Texas. We saw it yesterday against Oak State. Now, granted, that's a, a much better um, back-to-the-basket big in Timmy than what Oak State has. But at the other end, too, with Texas's length against against this Gonzaga team, I think it would give Gonzaga a lot of issues because that's their biggest defensive liability. And with this Texas backcourt, if they get all the way here with Andrew Jones, Matt Coleman, Courtney Ramey, Jace Frebers, too, he's going to have a huge game in the tournament. I'm not sure when, whether it's against UConn, if they get there, or Florida State. That's a guy to watch for. Maybe it's the Gonzaga game. Um, if Matt Coleman is able to get to the rim, like he did against Oklahoma State, if he, when Texas is at its best, Coleman gets to the rim and uh, and, and creates, and, and that's when Texas can really be efficient offensively. So I like Texas over Gonzaga because of the length, and I if I have Purdue in the Final Four, which I'm not sure about, I have Illinois over Purdue, and I have Illinois over Texas in the title game. Tom, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I'm going to go, I, I think we're going to get the the heavyweight fight that didn't happen in December. I'm going to go with the Zags over Texas. I think that's going to be a tight game, though. I could see it going either way. I mean, you got Baylor, uh, Illinois, another great game. But I'm going to go Baylor and the Zags in the final. And I'm going to go with my gut with the team I think was the best team last year, the team I think is the best team this year. I'm going to take the Baylor Bears to cut down the nets. Yeah, so for me, I agree with everything you said about Texas. It's a great handicap. It just, I can't not, this is Gonzaga to me. It just, the three-point shooting, the explosion on offense, Suggs I think is going to be able to cause havoc on the perimeter. I just like Gonzaga. That It's a gut thing for me. And um, on the other end, if it's Illinois-Arkansas, another just great game. I think Illinois just match up so well with these teams. I'll take Illinois, so I got a Gonzaga-Illinois final. And I think Gonzaga ends up uh, cutting down the nets this year. I just think it's their year undefeated. They've been the best team all year, in my opinion. And I just think that they have too much firepower. Okay. So those are our bets. And those are our picks for the title and the final four. We appreciate everybody that watched and listened. Special shout out to BetMGM for partnering up with us during the uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, Again, BetQLU is brought to you by BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM offers the ultimate sports betting experience with innovative parlay selection features, special odds boosts, daily promotions, and much more. Turn game day into payday at BetMGM. Download the app and sign up today with the promo code ELI100. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions.com for terms and conditions. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Any closing thoughts? No, let's roll. Uh, this is uh, we've been waiting for it. Uh, you know, I just spent two hundred dollars at the liquor store. I'm ready for Friday. Hell yeah, Reed. What about you? Hit me. Let's go. Let's let it just let it all soak it all in. This is gonna be great. Get the fans out for Reed. Uh, <laughs> I have Ohio. I have a bet on Ohio at eight and a half right now. I have a bet on Drake at two. Really quick, Tom. Your bet so far. My official bets are Drake plus two, um, Arkansas minus nine and a half, and I will take their team total the second it comes out over. And I have Ohio plus eight and a half and the Ohio money line plus 325. Reed, it's lengthy, but we got Santa Barbara. (laughs) Santa Barbara, Ohio, 
Eastern Washington, Drake, UConn, Oral Roberts, Liberty, Rutgers. All at market value right now. I will tweet them out so the people will hear, but we're in. <laughs> at Reed Wallach on Twitter, at the Tom Casale on Twitter. I'm Eddie Lajerskovich. Thank you for watching and listening to the special edition of BetQLU Bracket Special brought to you by BetMGM.